For more resources, visit rymonline.org. The Local Youth Worker is a daily podcast that's centered on five questions each week. Ranging from the practical to the professional, we're looking for answers to the questions you're asking. Whether you're in full-time, part-time, or even volunteer youth ministry, this podcast is for you. All right, everybody, welcome back. Um, Nate Smith is with us this week. Uh, We're really talking about the the topic of pornography, and um, Nate has spoken on the subject at at our church, at Pure Orchard Presbyterian Church in Ridgeland, Mississippi, and he's spoken at other churches as well as um, conferences as he shares his his struggle. And so today um, we're asking some questions of, of Nate. Um, Nate, as you uh, got into ministry a little bit more and, and the struggle continued, and I know that you you opened up to others about this, why don't you just tell us a little bit about that and then we'll have some, some questions kind of following up that, that. Sure, yeah. So just to be completely upfront, like I did not go into ministry and immediately start sharing my struggle. Um, in fact, I didn't want people to know that I struggled, even though I had opened up to my wife and to some accountability partners. Um, I really wanted people to still think that, you know, I was a minister and I had it together. But uh, I was in youth ministry to start with and immediately was sitting down with students who um, I knew were looking at porn and the males especially. And I couldn't sit there and be quiet and act like I had it together and not share with them my story. So it's, it began in youth ministry. It began with sharing with the young men that I was called to minister to, um, letting them know that I'm right there with them and I understand their struggle and pointing them to Jesus. And um, that didn't like immediately, like all the students weren't like, oh yeah, I'm looking at porn too, but I've seen fruit years later or even uh, shortly thereafter of guys coming up to me individually and being like, man, that was so helpful to know that. And so that's kind of where it began in the church. And then um, I began to also realize that all the guys around me, um, even though they weren't talking about it, and I wasn't talking about with them, uh, because of the statistics we were reading and because how easy it is, you know, iPhones were coming around, everybody has high-speed internet in their homes. It was just so easy to find porn. And it's uh, such a... um, easy and such a um, alluring substitute. It seems like it will work. Um, and, it, and we get into it and, it, and then we find ourselves um, enslaved to it. And so I could not keep my mouth shut. Um, I started to open up to some men in the church who I'd become friends with. Uh, we started some accountability groups. Um, some of those men uh, became elders. Um, and pretty soon I was you know, teaching adult classes and moving kind of uh, out of student ministry into more young adult and family ministry and found opportunity to share there. And the same thing kept happening as people kept coming and saying, hey, I appreciate you so much for speaking about this. I'm struggling or I know someone who's struggling and, and we don't know what to do. Um, and I think the, the sweetest, sweetest reward was seeing uh, men who are married come and for the first time open up and uh, and and just saying this is destroying my marriage but my wife doesn't know it mm-hmm. um, and helping them through that helping them to go to their wives as I had learned to done and just be honest had learned to do 
um, and be honest with their wives about what's going on. And it was tough. We had to walk through some folks. You know, there were some nights on the couches for some men. Um, my wife got involved and helped the ladies. Uh, we just spent a lot of our time pointing people to Jesus. Um, but, uh, you know, in terms of the leadership of the church, I never really got their permission. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I did start to push on them um, in a gracious way to say, you know, we need to we need to start addressing this publicly. We need to address it in the pulpit. We need to address it in conferences. We need to um, provide resources. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like just a done deal, but uh, it was hard to argue when I would back that up with stories yeah. of, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily, I didn't share people's junk, you know, if they didn't give me permission to, but I would just say, hey, this month I've been counseling three couples um, and this is at the heart of the issue. Wow. And I don't think that we can um, keep silent about it anymore. Yeah, because I mean, I know as you're beginning to open up about some of this, you know, we, we think this was some time ago. I don't, I don't know. Can you kind of give us an idea of the time frame, how long ago that was? Yeah, this was probably 2007. Okay. Um, in 2007 to 2010 was when a lot of this started to happen. Okay, and a lot of people back then, you know, aren't speaking that openly, no. you know, about this issue. No, and so when weren't. you say you kind of had to push on the leadership of the church, I'm assuming you received some pushback, and can you kind of describe some of that? Yeah, the, there was there was concern um, just about, you know, as so many... <laughs> So many Christians do, they think if you introduce the idea, then people who have never thought about it will all of a sudden hear about it and then they'll go and be curious and investigate. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I could spend a whole nother podcast, I'm <laughs> sure. <laughs> we could spend a whole nother podcast talking about the fallacy of that. Um, but we, uh, you know, we, we graciously pushed back and just reminded them that, like, the scriptures um, put these things down and talk about things and they're not to blame if people takes that information and goes and commits sin with it. You know, Jesus drank wine or Jesus made wine. You know, if somebody goes and gets drunk, it's not Jesus' fault. That's true. Um, so so we, would, we would just kind of graciously push back and say, well, uh, there's really not better options. Um, and I know it's sensitive, and I know maybe that's not how you did ministry 10 years ago or 15 years ago as a parent or as a, as a, a Sunday school teacher, but we need, we need to speak. Men are dying. Um, sure. Families, marriages are struggling. Um, kids are um, having the same struggle I had. They're they're just there's all this porn available. Their friends are looking at it. The, the the sexual culture is changing. Like every day, something is new and uh, crazy. And and again, if we're just silent about it, that's what's going to educate our children about this wonderful gift. And I, I would just really put that in front of parents. Like this, do you believe this is a gift of God? Mm -hmm. Do you believe that our sexuality is is one of the most profound ways we know God? Well. We got to teach them. We got to teach them the beauty of it and the goodness of it, Absolutely. so that they have something to compare. Because they are being taught through pornography, through their friends, through everything on the internet, TV shows, movies. It's it's shaping their sexuality, and God, I think, wants us to shape it first. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So. And that's something too. Kind of going back to one thing you said was how it began in youth ministry, where you had students coming to you. They were telling you about their own struggles, and that's kind of where you started to open up. Um, did you have any parents coming up to you and saying, you know, what are you saying to my son? Or are there boys, they were probably too petrified yeah. to tell their parents what they were talking about? I think, I think most, of, most of them fell into the latter category of they were terrified of what their parents' response would be, just like I was, um, of what adults would think if I admitted to that struggle. Um, but I would say when parents began to, 
either sit in on a, a session or a class or, or heard what I was doing or were in a Sunday school class for adults that I taught. Um, there was just almost universal, like, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, you know, really the only, like, I would say bad public pushback that we've gotten has been, you know, it's kind of become a, a side jab. You know, if somebody's frustrated with the church or with the ministry, um, they kind of will throw in, I don't, you know, I don't know that we can be in a church where a pastor struggles with pornography, you know, or something like that. And, and it, it wasn't necessarily a direct assault, but, you know, I would hear it through um, an elder or another pastor and they would come to me and say something like that. And it was really hurtful. And I had to, Absolutely. you know, work through my um, own sin on that. And, you know, <laughs> it was just another layer that the Lord has peeled back to show me how desperately needy I am. Um, and how full of myself. I mean, even in this issue, I can have so much pride. Well, I've shared, I've shared with people and how dare you attack that. And um, as, as I need to humbly remember, the only thing that I've done is look at pornography. The only thing I've done is like totally um, defrauded uh, my wife and the Lord of this beautiful gift. Um, I've cheated, I've cheated so much. And yet uh, the Avenger took it out on Jesus and not on me. So I'm super thankful that I um, can point people to to Jesus, who took our took our sexual brokenness mm-hmm. and all the wrath we deserve for it, um, and also instructs us and by His grace heals us, um, so that someday we'll be like sexually whole forever in eternity, as male and female worshiping Him, and and what we have is a picture now in sex and our sexuality we'll have in fullness mm-hmm. at that time. It will be glorious. Absolutely. Yeah, that's an amazing reality. I long for that day uh, for sure. Me too.